Hi, this is Christian Kuhn of Urban Village Church in Chicago. Welcome back to the podcast. I apologize that it has been a little bit too long since I have put anything out there. Um, I was really late in posting my Easter podcast. Uh, part of the reason for that was a trip to South Korea. And uh, so I have not been as uh, devoted to putting something out there. So thank you for returning and for listening and for supporting. So today we are in the midst of a sermon series now at Urban Village called uh, Our Bodies, Our Faith. And so for I'll explain that in a second, but first let me read from the book of Colossians and let me give you a a potential apology now. As I am recording this, uh, there could be um, some of the Kuhn household goings on with dogs and people walking in and out. So I'm a little bit pressed for time this week, so I apologize for now for that. So first, here are these words from Colossians. Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, for in him all things in heaven and on earth were created, things visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or powers. All things have been created through him and for him. He himself is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he might come to have first place in everything. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him God was pleased to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, by making peace through the blood of his cross. And you, who were once estranged and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he is now reconciled in his fleshly body through death, so as to present you holy and blameless and irreproachable before him. May God's blessing be in the reading and living out of this word. So the summer between my junior and senior year of college, I struggled to find a job, uh, kind of flittered around for a couple different things, and one didn't come through like I thought it would, and so I ended up working most of the summer at a Kids R Us. You may be familiar with Toys R Us and Babies R Us. For a time, they had a spinoff called Kids R Us, which was essentially a big uh, store for children's clothing, and I was working in the shoe department for most of that summer and have stories about that uh, for another time. But in the grand opening, so this was a brand new store, and they had a big grand opening uh, with lots of balloons, and I think there was probably free food and all these different kinds of things to entice people and to let people know that this was opening. One of the things that they wanted to do as well was to have characters from different uh, cartoons or from the Toys R Us uh, field or world. And one of those characters, you may remember, was one called Jeffrey the Giraffe. This was essentially Toys R Us's mascot. And so Jeffrey was going to come on over to the Kids R Us world. And so they were looking for people who would volunteer to dress up as Jeffrey. They also had a Babar the Elephant, for those who know Babar. And the way they were describing it is all you have to do is dress up as one of these characters for about 15 minutes, and then you can come off the floor for like a half hour and then go back on the floor. And at the time, for me, I was 21. I thought, this sounds really good because I was working in the shoe department, and I thought, this sounds easier than if I was... uh, trying to sell kids' shoes. So I decided that I would volunteer to be Jeffrey. 
And uh, one of the, but, but the only rule that they had was that Jeffrey doesn't talk. And so Jeffrey cannot say anything to children. So I thought even better. All I have to do is walk around. And it was this kind of awkward um, head that Jeffrey had. So of course, because Jeffrey's a giraffe, uh, I was actually, it was this, it's hard to describe, but this head that would uh, be very high and I would have this contraption where the uh, I would wear something on my shoulders and I would be looking out through Jeffrey's neck, this mesh. And I, that's how I would be able to see everything. So Jeffrey's head was much higher than my actual head was. It's hard to describe. I'll put a video up to give you an example of something similar to it. So I walked around. At first it was great. But then <clears throat> the thing about Kids R Us is there are children there. <clears throat> Children who do not always behave, children who do not always follow what their parents say. And so sometimes they would try to talk to me. One kid would step on my feet. And so being Jeffrey was not all it was cracked up to be. But I think I handled it fairly well. I was trying to be the kids RS presence, the live living presence out on the floor. So people would feel good about the purchases that they were making. I was doing my best to exhibit the Kids R Us slash Toys R Us values. Well, I mentioned earlier that we are now in this sermon series called Our Bodies, Our Faith. And we are looking at our bodies and how they connect today anyway. I'm focusing on a phrase that the church sometimes uses called the body of Christ. And it's a term that we use quite often. But what does it actually mean? And is the body of Christ supposed to exhibit Jesus like Jeffrey the giraffe. Well, the body of Christ is a phrase that pops up a few times in the letters of Paul. For those who don't know, Paul was really the one of the first Christian evangelists, had a um, life-transforming experience of the risen Christ and was called to go out and uh, spread the news, start new churches, and he would write letters to these churches. And these letters are what are a lot of the New Testament. So when you read 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, Romans, Galatians, these are all letters from Paul. So for example, <clears throat> Paul uses this phrase, body of Christ, in 1 Corinthians 12. He talks about the followers of Jesus like they're parts of a body. He likens people to things like an ear or an eye or a hand. And then he sums it up in 1 Corinthians by saying, now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. So we see this phrase again in today's passage that I just read from Colossians. Many scholars believe that Colossians also is a letter written from Paul. Verse 18 says, Jesus is the head of the body, the church. He is from the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he might come to have first place in everything. Throughout his letters, Paul wants to make the point that Jesus lived, died, and rose again. And so then we must alter our lives and live our lives in the light of this good news. So then we ask ourselves, how is the resurrected Jesus represented or represented to the world? Well, the Bible uses another word, ecclesia. So when these people who want to represent Jesus gather together, it creates ecclesia or a gathering to be called out. Sometimes in the scriptures, it's called church, the body of Christ. So Paul is trying to say one way that Christ is represented to the world is by the body of Christ, the ecclesia, assembly, gathering together and living out the way that Jesus lived and the way that Jesus continues to live today. 
So then how does that work? How does the world know that Jesus is real? Do we put on costumes like Jeffrey the Giraffe? No. The world knows that Jesus is real because of the body of Christ. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, a well-known 20th century theologian and martyr, said that since the ascension, Christ's place on earth has been taken by his body, the church. The church is the real presence of Christ. Another theologian, modern day, Jennifer McBride, says that this is that the body of Christ is the physical manifestation of Jesus in the world. I once went to Paris many years ago, and whenever you go, especially in Europe, to various cities, and you'll notice there are lots and lots of old churches. And at first, it's really interesting, and after a while, they just kind of start running together in your mind. And there was one time where there was a church, and so we were going to pop in and take a look at it. And then there was this really interesting sign outside in both French and English saying, this is a church, not a museum. As if to tell people, you have been going to look at the architecture and the beauty of it, but actually, this is a community of faith that wants to try to represent who Christ is in the world. This is the body of Christ. So when we talk about the church, the body of Christ, representing, being the physical manifestation of Jesus in the world, some might laugh because the church, we have seen examples, is anything but. The church seems to be the polar opposite of what it means to represent Jesus in the world. It's a body that's fighting itself. The church sometimes, I think, forgets, too, that this is what they are called to be and who they are called to reach out to. There's a Presbyterian pastor who died a few years ago and a writer named David Ng, a Chinese-American. He wrote a book called Youth in the Community of Disciples, and he said that the church sometimes falls prey into being everything but the body of Christ. Sometimes it believes that it has to be a place of entertainment, that they have to put on gimmicks in a show just to hold people's attention. And Dr. Ng says it's not that, that the church is not supposed to be a theological theme park, that the church is not supposed to just kind of do the same old, same old and wait until Jesus comes again, that the church is not supposed to be a place where you just put all your energy in social relationships that the people that you see week in and week out, that the church is not supposed to be just this safe place where you go to hide away from all the things that are happening in the world. That's the temptation for the church. But Dr. Ng says that to be the body of Christ, that is the call for the church. Not just some amorphous thing, but the body of Christ, which is made up of bodies, yours and mine. So what does this have to do with you? You may buy into the notion Sure, that sounds good that the church is supposed to represent the body of Christ, is supposed to be this representation of Christ in the world. How do I live into that? What am I supposed to do with that? What does this have to do with you? Well, I think, first of all, it's to remember and to recognize that for those of us who have been baptized, baptism is really the first step that an initiation and inauguration into the body of Christ. That's one of the things that the sacrament of baptism 
represents, that we are initiated into Christ's holy church, that we become the body of Christ through baptism. So if you have been baptized, in one sense, you're already there, that you're already part of this body. But it doesn't stop there. To say that my body is going to be part of the larger body of Christ that represents Jesus in the world, this is a decision that we must make every single day, that I will be a part of this body, that I will be a part of this physical manifestation of Christ in the world, and I will lift up others around me to make a commitment to say, I'm going to be part of this larger body of Christ. Now, on the one hand, it makes sense to do that, but on the other, it's easy to forget because we have a lot of decisions we have to make every single day. I was reading an article this week that said that I have absolutely no idea if this is true, but one uh, various internet articles estimate that an adult makes about 35,000 remotely conscious decisions each day. And that number may sound absurd, but a study at Cornell University said that we make 226.7 decisions each day just on food alone. I have no idea if this is true. I don't know. I didn't go into deep detail on this study. But when you think about it, all of the different decisions that we make every single day, it is at times overwhelming. What do I eat? What do I wear? Do I buy? What do I believe? All these things every single day. And so to add one more decision can seem like a lot. But I think it's important that every single day as we wake up and live into our own bodies, that we decide today I am going to live into my baptism. I am going to decide to be a part of the body of Christ. You may have been in a Catholic church at times, and you'll notice they have a baptismal font at the back that has a pool of water. And whenever I'm in that space, I always make sure that I touch the water, make a cross on my forehead as a way to say, I have been baptized. I am a part of the body of Christ, and I am recommitting myself to being part of that body of Christ so that I might represent Jesus to the world. Because if the world is to know that Jesus is still alive in our midst, the only way they may know that is because of the actions that you and I take. So, let's say yes. Let's say that you decide to say yes, that I will do this. But remember... You do not make this decision in a bubble. You are saying, I am committing my body to be part of a larger body of Christ. And that larger body can sometimes be a challenge. That larger body does not always agree with what you believe. That larger body does not always act in ways. Their bodies don't always mesh with what your bodies do. They do certain things that make you angry. They react in certain ways that you disagree with. And that what makes part of being the body of Christ a challenge. And that's what makes it tempting for me to say, I don't want my body to be part of this larger body if people are going to act like that. And that's the challenge. And yet, this is part of the beauty of the body of Christ too. That people don't always act and look and respond in ways that you would act and respond to. 
we rewatched the movie Toy Story in our home a couple of weeks ago. And if you've ever seen the movie, you know that uh, this little boy's toys come to life whenever a human leaves the room and they interact with one another. And part of the movie happens when two of <clears throat> the boy Andy's toys uh, get uh, mistakenly put, taken away, and they go into his neighbor's uh, groups of toys. Now, this neighbor boy is not this good little boy like Andy is. This boy is Sid. Uh, and Sid is, uh, when people would look at him, would say, well, this is just uh, somebody, one of those kids who is a bully or a hoodlum. <clears throat> And he doesn't treat his toys very well. In fact, he has taken his toys and taken them apart and created this kind of Frankenstein of sorts of all of these different toys. He takes a head off of one and puts it on another. And they look kind of scary. The first time that we see the movie, all of these uh, toys that just look bizarre and kind of make you a little bit afraid at first. And in fact, when Andy's toys, uh, Woody and Buzz Lightyear, see Woody especially see these uh, bizarro toys he's a little bit afraid because these are not uh, nice clean uh, toys that make sense and I'm going to show a clip um, in the uh, sermon that I preach and I'll put this online too so you can take a look at it that eventually Woody realizes he needs the help of these other uh, toys and he realizes, too, that these toys, even though they look funny and may seem scary at first, can do a lot in order to work together to uh, save and to get Woody and Buzz back home to where they belong, back with their own community. And it's a really lovely example, I think, of at first seeing this group of toys and believing that uh, they are scary or different and yet realizing actually something beautiful can come out of this. Whenever we decide to be part of the body of Christ, and we look around not only at the body of Christ that we are a part of, for us at Urban Village, but you look at other bodies of Christ and you may shake your head and think, I can't believe what they're doing. And sometimes, friends, we are called to speak out if there is part of the larger body of Christ, the universal body of Christ, and is saying or doing things that are harmful, we are sometimes called to speak out against that. But also, we cannot always think and believe that we are speaking out against or being against something. But we are sometimes called to look around at part of the body that we are a part of and deciding and believing that this is who I am part of too. Because this is the only way the world is going to know who we are about. If we make that decision, if we make that conscious decision every single day that I am deciding that my body will be part of this larger body, because my body alone may make a difference, but when I join my body with this larger body, then it has an even bigger impact. Let me close with this really wonderful writing by a, a medieval mystic named Teresa of Avila. 
who emphasizes the power of what it means to be the body of Christ in the world. And she wrote, Christ has no body but yours, no hands, no feet on earth but yours. Yours are the eyes with which he looks, compassion on this world. Yours are the feet with which he walks to do good. Yours are the hands with which he blesses all the world. Yours are the hands, yours are the feet, yours are the eyes, you are his body. Christ has no body now but yours, no hands, no feet on earth but yours. Yours are the eyes with which he looks compassion on this world. Christ has no body now on earth but yours. May we make that commitment in our own lives that we deciding are deciding that my body will be part of this larger body. Because this is the only way, friends, that people can know the good news of the resurrected Christ. Amen. Friends, thank you for listening once again to the podcast. And I'm going to be back on schedule uh, now for the next few weeks. So as always, feel free to reach out to me if you have questions or concerns, anything on your heart. Uh, Chris at urbanvillagechurch.org is my email address. And then on Twitter, I'm at Christian Kuhn. I'm always happy to connect with you. And so uh, until next week, uh, may you live into being the body of Christ and may you experience someone else being that body for you too. May the peace of Christ be yours. Be thou my wisdom and thou my truth.